Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 113, Fast Pass. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Matt. What's up, everybody? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So Pete, what's going on? Not a whole lot. I'm actually frantically checking to make sure this is actually episode 113 and I didn't get it right. Or didn't get it wrong. And it looks like it is episode 113. So I think we're, I think we're, I think I think we're good. good. You're usually pretty on top of that stuff. One thing that is of note is um, Tom's not here. Yeah. I, I, I feel I feel like I get a lot of I get a lot of crap when I'm not here, but you know, today Tom's not here. And I'm sure he has a very, very good reason. Either the Mandalorian got him. He got run over by the monorail. I mean, there's a million reasons why Tom's not here, but I like, do you know why Tom's not here? You know, I, I think it probably has to do with the fact that he just got back from Disney again and, uh, and is trying to collect himself and prepare for his next Disney trip. Which will probably be in what, a week? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, actually, yeah, I think it's in, it's in two weeks. I think he's going back. Yeah. I will tell you one thing. A lot of people don't get their, their use out of a an annual pass holder <laughs> pass, but Tom definitely gets his his money's worth on the pass holder deal. No question. I'm 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 going to buy an annual pass this year, and I'll be lucky if I use it four times. And he's probably used it four times this year so far. Since yeah, yeah. January I was going to say this year so far. <laughs> so anyway, tonight we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the fast pass system at Disney World. We're going to talk about where it's been, where it's come from, where it is today, some suggestions for maybe how we make it better. Before we get into that, we're going to uh, we're going to hit the news real quick. Not a, a ton of news this week. Although one very noteworthy thing, Bob Iger is out as CEO, Bob Chapek is in as CEO. A lot of people are really upset about this. You know, they've seen the pattern of Chapek cutting at the parks, cutting costs at the parks, raising prices at the parks, increasing premium after hours events at the parks. I I don't know that this is necessarily a bad thing. The parks are very successful. The parks are making a ton of money right now. And if they continue to be a cash cow, Disney's going to continue to invest in them. And I think that's a good thing for anybody that likes the parks. All in all, Iger has been there for a very, very long time. And you know, a lot of a lot of companies will actually switch over their CEOs, you know, quicker than what Disney has done. But I do think that Iger's big thing was to try and get Disney Plus out there, get through Toy Story Land, get through, um, you know, everything they've done so far, Star Wars Land, and complete complete all the mergers and acquisitions that he had on deck. And I think that right now is the, the right time for him to step away because there's actually been a lot that's been done in the last five years. Yeah, and. You know, I like the fact that we've got a guy that's coming from Parks Operations that's now the CEO because, you you, you know, you think about Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner came from TV, right? That was his – he was all TV. And the Parks suffered under Eisner, right? There was no development. There were there was no – Well, and there were, there were also failed experiments. There were a lot of failed experiments as well when, you know, he wasn't really listening to the Imagineers. And, and I say there's no new development. I mean, he did open two new parks. He opened Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. So maybe that's not really fair. But the parks were obviously not a priority for him. And I think that for Chapek, they're they're going to be. And yeah, they're going to be more expensive. And yeah, he's going to look to cut costs where he can. But I think overall, it's a positive thing. 
So we'll, we'll go park by park. Not a whole lot of news. Uh, Magic Kingdom, and, and I thought this was funny that Chapek takes over and we've got two incidents at a park within, within a week. Uh, the first is two people mover trains crashed into each other this, this past week, causing an evacuation. This happens from time to time. Again, I don't think it has anything to do with it, but it's just funny, the timing. And then one of the boats at the Jungle Cruise sank and guests had to be evacuated. Disney did release an official statement on this saying that a boat took on some water. Reedy Creek Fire Department responded promptly and everyone got out safely and that they worked with the guests to allow them to enjoy the rest of their day. I mean, Pete, how deep can that water actually be? It's it's not real deep, but, you know, imagine you're wearing tennis shoes and jeans because it was it was chilly this past week. You were in tennis shoes and jeans. You get in a sunken boat. Your feet and your shoes and your pants get all wet. And you're miserable the rest of the day. I get it, but I really hope that the Jungle Cruise captain just started singing the Gilligan soundtrack. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened, but again, everybody get, did get off safely, and so no uh, no huge deal here. I think they should name that boat the SS Minnow from now on. Wouldn't you be excited to be on the SS Minnow? I'd be excited. Well. You know it's fixed. wouldn't really fit the theme. It wouldn't really fit the theming of the uh, of the rest of the boat names, though. That's true. That's true. So, only other piece of news I've got for Magic Kingdom is that Splash Mountain is again opened from its yearly refurbishment. Apparently, everything's working. We'll see it in a couple months uh, when we get down there. Going to Hollywood Studios, Mickey's Runaway Railway opens March third, and I keep meaning to ask. I've got a couple cast members that I keep meaning to text to ask how it was. But uh, from from everything we've seen, it's positive. I've actually heard a couple people say that this is better than Rise of the Resistance. So we'll see. I'll be down there in two months. Tom will be down there in two months. We'll we'll see if that's the case. I can tell you that I have a lot of a lot of friends that are cast members down there right now, and and th- what they've told me about it, and like it's you know very quick text. It's not like having a long conversation. Is that it's a very enjoyable ride. But I haven't really got the vibe that it's, you know, a thrill ride in any sense. I've gotten the vibe that it's just very enjoyable and you're going to on, on a picnic with Mickey and Minnie and it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no question. It's not a thrill ride. I mean, it's it's definitely a dark ride and it is the first Mickey attraction at Disney World. Yeah. So anyway, opens March 3rd. So a couple days from now, actually, by the time this releases, it'll open the next day. And then the Mickey Shorts Theater will be opening the day after that. This is going to play Mickey Shorts. It'll be opening with a new original Mickey Short. And this is in the theater that previously previously housed Path of the Jedi. Uh, the only other news from Hollywood Studio, ABC Commissary and the Milk Stand are now serving breakfast. You know, there's been a ton of people getting to Hollywood Studio early to get Rise of the Resistance Fast Passes and also to now wait in line for uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I have heard that the green milk bread pudding at the bread stand is to die for, and I'm definitely going to try it uh, when I get down there in a couple months. Moving over to Epcot, uh, there's a new Finding Dory scavenger hunt coming to the seas, and you can pick up booklets for that on the first floor inside the seas with Nemo and friends. And this is, you know, I'm guessing kind of like, uh, what was the World Showcase? Agent Agent Q's or Finian, whatever it was. I'm guessing it's like that with stickers and you collect stamps or whatever. The performance schedule for the story of Coco has been announced. And this is back due to popular demand. They cut this last year and and people were kind of outraged over it. 
This will be performed during Flower and Garden Festival Sunday through Thursday at 11, 12, 1 and 2.30. This is a fantastic show. They use the Coco puppets to, uh, to tell the story of, of Coco. And then finally, I think I talked about this last week, but Spaceship Earth will officially close on May 26th for an undetermined length. Uh, and this is uh, to redo the whole ride. Disney's going to take the focus off of communication, which was kind of the theme of the old Spaceship Earth. And the new focus is going to be the story of humanity. I will say that, you know, we've been talking internally a little bit a little bit about this transition. And Pete has some really exciting ideas of what we can possibly do talking about Spaceship Earth going forward. Because we just don't know what it's going to be. And I think it's exciting to think about what could happen. Because the, it's, the ride has been the ride for how long, Pete? How many years since Epcot opened? Since it opened. I mean, it's, it's, it's had a little bit of change. You know, the projections at the beginning. So that's changed. And... And the end has been revamped a couple of times. And obviously we've got new narrators through the day, throughout the, the years, but nothing like this. I think it's going to be a, a go-to attraction when it opens back up. And, you know, you know, Spaceship Earth. I mean, you can, you see it in a 20 minute wait a lot of the time, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned about this being a huge kind of backlog when it opens back up. Cause I do think it's going to be something special and not something that, you know, we're, we're, we're used to seeing. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And there's a lot coming to Epcot, right? So it'll take some of the focus off of that. But I would say this is going to be closed for at least a year or two. Uh, again, they're going to completely revamp it. It's a huge space, right? They've got a lot of space in here to redo, you know, redo. And uh, let's so call looking it forward to what they do with it. There you go. There you go. And and we'll be down there the weekend, uh, May 15th. So we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get on it uh, before it closes. Nothing at Animal Kingdom uh, this week. The only other piece of news that I've got, I've got a little bit more info on the Disney Dining Plus plan that uh, that I talked about last week. This is kind of a combination of a quick service and a table service meal plan. It allows you to use either one, and so I'm not really sure not really sure what the point of this is. But anyway. The cost for this is about $95 for adults and $35 for kids, and that's per night. So what this does, again, it allows you to use either a quick service or a table service meal. You get two of those per day, and then you get the standard two snack or three snacks per day. Two snacks per day? I haven't had a meal plan in so long, I can't even remember. But I think it's two, two snacks per day. You get the resort mug. But this gives you the option to use either a quick service or a table service this compares to $55 a person for the quick service, which is two quick service meals a day, $78 a person for the standard, which is one quick service and one table service, and then $119 a person per day for the deluxe, which is three table service per night. So that's all the news for this week. With that, let's, uh, let's pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers. 
a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, well, let's talk fast pass. This is, this is something that uh, people that know how to use it love it. People that don't know how to use it hate it. And, and people, you know, some people just are kind of ambivalent about it, right? They accept it as a, as a fact of life. They deal with it and they move on. I think this is a, a big thing for people born, what, after 2001? I feel like Fast Pass started in 1999, right? So you're kind of talking people born, you know, in the 2000s have no idea what life was like at Disney without a Fast Pass. And there's been a ton of different iterations of this. And I think, you know, I think Pete has some bullet points he wants to talk about. But, I mean, for a lot of people, they don't actually understand what it was like to actually wait in a line for a very, very long time. Well, okay. So, let's take a step back because you didn't have the the Seven Dwarf Mine Train that had a consistent 100-minute wait. You didn't have the Avatar Flight of Passage that had a 240-minute wait, right? You know, before Fast Pass, you know, you waited for Splash Mountain. But an come on, you you waited for you had a splash mountain where you waited for 180 minutes. <laughs> or no, and 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 it did get that way in the summertime, no question. But I mean, I would say that the most you would ever wait in a line was 45 minutes to an hour, right? I mean, you you just didn't get lines longer than that typically. Well, unless, I would also unless say, it like, was Christmas or summer. Yeah, especially in the summertime. Yeah, in summertime you would have some ridiculous waits. But I also think Disney didn't until I don't know. I, I want to say like the early 2000s. Like after Fast Pass, I don't think Disney really was able to capture the wait time because they had like this little this key they would give you or this little lanyard they give you to like try and measure, you know, the wait time at this particular point in the line. But, you know, those things get lost. It wasn't digitized. It wasn't a way of actually tracking it. And I do think that for that reason, the wait times were kind of hit or miss because I would see 120 minutes at Splash Mountain and I'd wait 35 minutes. I mean, I actually like I would look at the line and see where the line was, not, you know, what the, what the line said it was, if that makes sense. And it's still, you know, it can still be that way to a certain extent, but I think they are a lot more accurate on their, on their wait time tracking now, now that they've got magic bands and they can track people with that. So yeah, back to the fast passes introduced in 1999. And, and before this, you went to the park, you waited in line, right? That was it. So 99 fast passes come out. And the way Disney rolled this out was they they selected the popular rides to have fast pass lines, and you actually had to physically go to a, a machine kiosk. at each ride, yeah, yeah, a kiosk at each ride, put in everybody in your party's park ticket, and it would print you out a paper ticket with a with a return time on it, and then it would say you have let's say you like sprinted your way to Splash Mountain. It would say you have a fast pass from 8.15 a.m. until 9.15 a.m. And you could not get another fast pass until 9.15 a.m. Correct. So it was one at a time when it was rolled out. And I mean, there was a, you know, when when you went to the parks during that era, 
you would sprint to an attraction, get a fast pass, while the rest of your party went and stood in line at another attraction, right? And you'd all meet at the attraction you actually wanted to wait in line for. Oh, no. Actually, what I would do, if it was like Splash Mountain or Space Mountain or, you know, a big attraction, Rock and Roller Coaster or whatever, I would get a fast pass and then immediately get in line for that attraction because the you're already there. You already beat the crowd. Like, it's not a... It's not a two-hour wait at this point. It's a 15-minute wait. So you can kind of do rides back-to-back. Yeah, you're right. What we would do is we would send, say we wanted to get a fast pass for Space Mountain, and, and you're talking opposite ends of the park, we would have our whole group walk to Splash Mountain, have one person, whoever is the quickest, go to Space Mountain with everybody's park tickets, get fast passes, and then run across the park back to Frontierland to Splash Mountain to meet them up there, and then you'd rope drop Splash Mountain. Exactly. And again, this was before this was before Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, so that wasn't an option. But but it was frustrating, right? It, you had to physically be there, you had to have everybody's keys, and you had to you had to have your little paper ticket because if you lost your little paper ticket, it was a problem. Yeah, and I, I think that also on that note is, I mean, you might have on your personal watch that it says nine thirteen a.m. Or whatever. Maybe I think they did five minute increments, but I'd get there and I'd be like, I swear, like my fast pass says nine fifteen, my watch says it's nine twenty, and you'd be inserting your card nonstop trying to get that fast pass and say invalid, invalid, invalid. So it was it was kind of tiresome. <laughs> and it was also a lot of like you felt kind of bad like getting a fake fast pass. So that has evolved to the present day fast pass that we have and I want to touch on Disneyland here because it's going to it's going to become important here as we get into our conversation but currently Disneyland still uses that fast pass system right you go when you get into the park you go to a machine you put your park ticket in and you get a fast pass now Disneyland also has a paid option a paid max pass option uh which costs $15 a day or $100 a year and there is no pre-booking of fast passes with with mass, max pass but instead of going and physically visiting the machines you can use your phone you can use the disneyland app to book fast passes and this does include photo pass you know if you buy it a hundred dollars a year so you know if you're going a couple of times it's a pretty good deal disney world uses the fast pass plus system that we all know and love so well uh, you can pre-book your fast passes either 60 or 30 days in advance whether or not you're staying on on disney property uh, you can book three a day. They have to be at the same park. And, you know, some parks have tiers. And actually, every park other than Magic Kingdom has tiers at this point. And so, you know, if you're going to Hollywood Studios, you, you cannot book a Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and a Slinky Dog Dash Fast Pass at the same time. So you've got to follow the tiers. So that's a Fast Pass Plus system that we have. Other parks have, uh, Shanghai Disney has a similar, similar system in place to Disneyland. They call it Premier Access. Now, Disneyland Paris, interestingly enough, if you, uh, if you stay at a Disney hotel, you get like one Fast Pass per day and you can only use it between, I think it's one o'clock and three o'clock. If you stay club level, you get unlimited fast passes and they're not time restricted. You just use them wherever, but they're only good at, at rides with fast passes. So my question here is like, do you actually have to book the fast pass or do you show up and say, Hey, I'm club and I, you go right to fast pass. Okay. You, you show up, you show up, you scan your magic band or whatever they, I don't think they use magic bands, but you scan your park ticket and you go right in. You know what? That's that actually, we don't talk about universal a lot, but universal has a similar package where you pay pretty much double park admission and 
you go to the front of the line or the as front of the line as you can get to. But I think I think Pete, you know, me, you, and Tom, and the wives need to plan a trip to to Paris. This sounds pretty awesome because as as you guys talked about last week, there are some really good attractions in Paris. Yeah, there certainly there certainly are, and there's two parks there, and I'm I'm still kicking myself. The last time we went to Paris. I almost had my wife convinced to go take a day, but but she wouldn't do it. So, and Disney World with the Fast Pass Plus, if you stay club level at one of the deluxe resorts, you do get an additional three Fast Passes per day, and that's not a super. You have the option to buy three additional Fast Passes a day, and I think it's thirty five or forty five dollars per person per day. But look, if you're spending fourteen fifteen hundred bucks a night on your hotel room. What's what's an extra hundred dollars a night on top of that, right? Yeah, for the rich and famous. So, how does this work out? I mean, how, how do we book fast passes when we when we go to Disney World? I mean, obviously, if you're staying on Disney property, you wake up at seven a.m. and you book your fast passes sixty sixty days out, right? I mean, that's a no brainer. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not staying on Disney property, you wake up at seven a.m. thirty days out. And you book your fast passes. All right. So before you keep going, I just want to share share with all of our listeners. I actually had a nightmare last night, and I guess it was because I knew this this episode was coming. But I had a nightmare that I went to Disney World, and it was just spur of the moment trip. You know, I went one day, and I had no fast passes, and I felt like I walked around the park the entire day without doing anything. And I watched, you know, all the rides in the Magic Kingdom. And it was kind of like all the parks were converged into, you know, one big park. So all four parks. And I did nothing I wanted to do and felt like I wasted my entire day. And it made me laugh a little bit when I woke up because I know what happened. And why I had this dream was because Pete was actually helping Tom. Tom had a little bit of opportunity last week to spend an afternoon in Disney. And of course, he wasn't 30 days out, 60 days out. And so Pete was just locking down fast passes and telling Thomas where to go. And in my dream, I was so jealous that Pete didn't do that for me. I said, if Pete would just have, you know, laid these fast passes out, I would have had a great time. But I think it's important, like when Pete talks about 60 days out, 30 days out, sporadic trip, and using fast passes, we need to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and so how do you book fast passes? I would argue that when you book fast passes, and this is this is gonna sound counterintuitive, but you don't book fast passes for the rides that you want to go on necessarily. You book fast passes for the most popular rides that you want to go on. So if, in other words, if you want to, you really want to ride Winnie the Pooh at Magic Kingdom, you also kind of want to ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. You book a fast pass at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, right? And, and this is where it gets so frustrating for people because if, if I'm not somebody that regularly goes to the parks, I don't have a clue what the wait times are for any of these rides normally, right? Or even what 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 ride is the better ride? I mean, if you're just looking at names of rides and not doing your research, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train versus you know Winnie the Pooh. What do you think is better? It could be a railroad. Exactly, and and this is why this is why the fast pass is so frustrating. But so you know, my my strategy for booking fast passes, you know, when I get up at seven a.m. and I look at Magic Kingdom, I mean, I'm looking for Space Mountain. I'm looking for Splash Mountain. I'm looking for Big Thunder Mountain. I'm looking for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. I'm looking for Peter Pan. Those are really the big five at Magic Kingdom that I'm looking for because everything else I can typically get throughout the course of the day, right? Animal Kingdom, you know, you're looking for obviously Avatar Flight of Passage is is number one, but you're looking for Expedition Everest. You're looking for Kilimanjaro Safari. Those are really the big three there. Epcot, 
Test Track or Soren, Frozen, and, and then you've got kind of a filler one. You can do a Spaceship Earth, you can do a Mission Space, you can do a Seas with Nemo and Friends or Living with the Land. And then Hollywood Studios, Slinky Dog Dash is your number one. And because Rise of the Resistance doesn't have Fast Pass right now, I think Slinky Dog Dash is always your first choice because you can ride Single Rider, uh, Smuggler's Run, and then Tower Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster, right? Because everything else you can kind of get throughout the course of the day. But when you book these Fast Passes, you book them as early in the morning as you can and you book them in consecutive time slots, right? There's There are people out there who will tell you, okay, book your first fast pass as early in the morning as you can get it book your uh book your second fast pass so like book your first pa- fast pass at eight o'clock book your second one at 10 o'clock book your third one at one o'clock and then once you get off your first you start m- trying to move that third one up i'm i'm all about the nine o'clock ten o'clock eleven o'clock fast pass you're done with your fast passes at 11 and then you're then you're trying to get new fast passes at that point but see i think that a lot of times Pete, what people are different than you in is like, you're checking that thing nonstop. Like your phone battery is probably getting zapped. If you don't have an external battery. I mean, I can only imagine, I guess what my point would be, let's say there's a casual Disney you know, park goer and they say, I want to make sure I do these three rides in this park while I'm there. And it just so happens they can get them at, let's just say 9am 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., something like that. Basically what you talked about a second ago. And they don't care about the rest of that. Like, what? what's the advantage to... So the advantage for you to get all your all your fast passes done by 11 a.m. is the freedom to get anything else the rest of the day. Absolutely. I mean, so it's 11 a.m. I'm looking for a fast pass. I see up... I'm at Magic Kingdom, right? I'm done at 11 a.m. with fast passes. I see an 11.20 Pipes of the Caribbean. I grab it. I go ride Pirates of the Caribbean. 11.25, I'm on the ride and I'm looking for another Fast Pass. And I get an 11.45 Haunted Mansion. But that's the thing. That That's the thing. You're on the ride looking for another Fast Pass. Like, how much Absol- time... Absolutely. When you, when you go to Disney, and granted, guys, you know, Pete's been to Disney a million times. Thomas been a million times. I've been a thousand times. Um, so, like, how much of your time in the park are you spending trying to find the next Fast Pass in this scenario? So, so I do not... I will I will look for fast passes while I'm in the queue. Yeah. I won't I won't while I'm on the ride. And then once I get off the ride if I don't have something I'll I'll continue looking. You know, I'll I'll sit down for a minute and I'll look. I'll go to the bathroom. Go to I'll lunch. Grab a drink and look. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because that's that's the way to get it's really nice to say, okay, I'm going to start in Tomorrowland. I'm going to ride everything in Tomorrowland and then move on. Doesn't happen. To that. Does not Land. work that way. You have to be willing to see what comes up on the fast passes and 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 go there. And and look, this is a result of the system that Disney has put in, right? I mean, it's it's not an ideal way because you you walk a lot more if you do that. Yeah, but, I, but that's I, the fact yeah, of the matter. One hundred percent. I mean, when I go to Disney, I kind of use it as a, a cheat week for not going to the gym because I am literally all over the park. I'm walking everywhere, and I think with fast passes, I mean, it's definitely different now. I think you one hundred percent need to be using your smartphone. You need to have battery. You need to take advantage of what Disney offers now with like charging stations or renting an external like charging pack. And I think that, you know, it really gives you more freedom in the park than you had before. Because like Pete said, if you were to say, hey, I'm just going to do Fantasyland and then I'm going to move on to Tomorrowland and then I'm going to go to Frontierland and then I'm going to Adventureland. Pete, 10 years ago, you couldn't hit Magic Kingdom in one day doing that. You really couldn't. 
No, and I, you know, you really still can't because the lines have just gotten pre- the parks are crowded all the time now, right? There's no slow time at Disney anymore. And so if you're not using fast the fast pass system like this and, and going wherever the fast passes are, you're not going to see everything that you would otherwise. Now, look, some people don't care, right? Some people go, they want, they've got four or five rides that they want to ride. They've got four or five things they want to do and that's it. They're, they're okay with that. And that's fine. But if you want to maximize what you're, what you're going to get done and what you're going to see and what you're going to do while you're there, this is the only way to do it. So moving on to something else, do you think that fast passes have actually increased wait times throughout Walt Disney World? Oh, 100% objectively, fast passes have increased wait times without a doubt. Because, I mean, think about it. You have you have two separate lines, right? So your standby line is always going to be longer if you're letting people in a separate line. So yes, objectively, it has created it has created longer wait times. Now, if you know how to work the system, again, you you get into that situation where you're not. Look, I can go to Disney World for four days and just through rolling fast passes into each other, not wait in a single standby line. Now, I don't have a whole lot of say in what I do and when I do it, but pretty much I get on everything that I want to get on. But but do you think that also comes into play with you? 100% have done everything at Walt Disney World. You know what makes your trip memorable. You know what, if you have two days in Walt Disney World, you're you're going to skip a lot of things, but you're also going to hit everything Absolutely. that you want to hit. And I think that sometimes it's difficult with fast passes and standby lines and single rider lines for, you know, first time park guests to be able to manip- manipulate the system, right? And I don't think, like, I don't think it's possible. I don't think for a first time guest, you can manipulate the system unless you stay for 10 days to hit everything you want to hit while still waiting in standby lines. No, no, no question. And that's why, you know, you talk to people that have never been to Disney before that go, come back and say, I'm never going to Disney again. This was so frustrating. All we did was wait in line the whole time. And it's because they, they don't understand how to work this. Uh, so l- let's go into this. How, how well does the FastPass system work? I, I would argue for somebody that, that knows how to use the system, it works very well, right? Again, like I just said, I can go and not wait in a single standby line other than by choice. Now, again, I don't have a whole lot of say in where, how far I walk or where I'm going, but I can go and not wait in a single standby line. So, you know, no, no question that this makes it easier for people who plan or for, for people who are, are willing to be flexible when, once they're in the parks. But I think like everyone listening to this podcast, Pete, like we might have the, the, a, a couple of people that are, you know, about to plan their Disney trip, catching up with us on what was it, episode 113? Is that what you said? And they're like, oh my gosh, this is way over my head. But really, it's it's not that tough. And I think that like the more planning, we always say this, the more planning you do ahead of your Disney trip, the more successful your Disney trip is going to be. And I think what Pete's talking about is from the whole 60-day, 30-day, day of trip. And I think that, you know, if you if you manipulate it like Pete's talking about and like really like find the the fast passes you want, find the attractions that you want to have a standby line for, you can do it. I think that's where Pete was going with this. Well, so let's look at the negatives of the fast pass system because I think I think there's a lot of them, right? Objectively, it 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 creates longer wait times for everybody. Okay, it is very frustrating to people who haven't pre-planned. Tom went down to Disney last week. And it was a last minute thing. He was able to get into the parks a couple of, couple of afternoons. Didn't have any fast passes. It's very frustrating to go into a park and not have any fast passes 
because you don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, these things book 60 or 30 days in advance. You're not going to get a seven horse mine train fast pass. Yeah. You're not going to get a flight of passage fast pass. Like it's just not going to happen. So what this does is it, it really discourages last minute trips to the park. If, I, if I'm a Florida resident and I live in Orlando and I have an annual pass and I don't have any fast passes and it's, you know, it's Thursday and I think, well, I might go to Disney on Saturday. Well, do I really want to do that? Because I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything. Well, Pete, talk about how you managed Tom's fast passes. Like Tom was just there. It was a spur of the moment trip. Like he didn't have any planning. Like how did, how did you do that? Well, so yes, if you've got, if you've got somebody that's willing to sit at a computer and, and look for fast passes for you, then yeah, you can, you can get some stuff done. Well, no, done no, I'm not, I'm not just people. saying like someone bored at work, but like if, if Tom was just like there by himself, like could he have done what you did or do you have to be standalone? It's so it's, so it's significantly easier for a solo person to get fast passes, right? So Tom being there by himself, he was able to get some fast passes and do some things, but Think about it. you're a family of four, you're a family of five, you're going to Disney World, you know, last minute without any fast passes. You're not going to you're not going to get on anything that you don't wait standby for. That was the benefit for Tom. He was just a one person guy where you can just find one fast pass, just get in there. And even Tom, like he was like, you know, I'm going to he called me while he was there. He was like, hey, Matt, I think, I think I'm just going to get the test track line for, you know, it says 20 minutes. But I think Pete will find me a fast pass when I get off the ride. He was just killing time. So, it, in again, all this is done through smartphones. So the system goes down, and what do you do? You can't do anything, right? You revert to the old standby. Is that, does that happen very often? Every once in a while. Every all right, once so in, Pete, I, it, I'm, I'm going to give you like an apop, apocalyptic scenario. All of a sudden, you're in Walt Disney World. You're in the middle of Magic Kingdom. And the My Disney Experience app goes down. Where are you running to? What are you doing? What are you thinking? I, I really, I, honestly, I don't know at this point because everybody is so conditioned to using that app. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to go check wait times at Magic Kingdom anymore at this point. Like, is there still a board? I know there's a board at Epcot, but is there one at Magic Kingdom? I think there's one at Hollywood Studios, but I don't know about Magic. I, I don't know about Magic Kingdom. Is there one? At I don't Magic think there Kingdom? is. I don't think there's anymore. ever been one. I don't at Magic think there Kingdom. is. Yeah, so I don't know what you do in that in that situation. I really don't. Because you, you think about it, everything is through that. Your dining reservations. What time do you have a dining reservation? I don't know. It's on the app. What time's your fast pass? So yeah, that you know, that that could always happen. That's always a that's always a possibility. So how do we improve this? And I and I think this is I think this is interesting because there are alternatives to this and and they all have pluses and minuses. So you you talked about Universal Studios, and you pay basically double admission, and you just go to the front of the line. And even going to the front of the line, like I will say, like you go to the front of the line and you pay double at Universal, and you are on the ride within five minutes. Within five minutes, it's a little bit better than Disney's Fast Pass system, and I, I realized that at the time. And I, I can't speak to Universal now, but this was probably ten years ago, and I was blown away. I, I. I I told everybody I was with if Disney adopted the system, I would pay double for park and park admission because it's not just certain rides; it's every ride you go to the front of the line on. But again, you're paying you know you're paying a hundred dollars for a park ticket, and it's maybe ninety dollars for this whatever their whatever theirs is called. I know it's not Fast Pass, but but it's I mean it it's really like Express is double pass the price. or something. It might be Carowinds. I don't know. So I mean, is is this a good idea? You know, what does this do? Well, basically, it, it decreases the standby line 
because you're not going to have as many people in the fast pass lines, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with the concept, <laughs> but it, but it also takes away takes away your ability to plan anything, right? Because you you know you don't even get the option to plan three fast passes if you're not buying them. So yeah, you, I mean, you have this. You go to whatever ride you want. You ride whatever ride you want. It sounds great in principle. Until you realize, okay, look at look at the number of guests at Universal versus the number of guests at Disney. Are there going to be more guests willing to pay for this at Disney than Universal? And, and then do you run into the problem? Well, the fast pass line is thirty minutes. The regular line is sixty minutes. And I think I think beyond that, you also have to, like I've been to Universal a few times now. I don't have the same feeling about Universal that I do about Disney. Obviously, I don't have a Universal podcast. <laughs> like I don't do that. I think that if you like for me when I went to Universal and I did that, I just was like boom, 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 boom. If there was anything magical about Universal, I missed it both times I went. And and I think that Disney is smart to do it the way they do because there are a million things to do in the Disney parks outside of fast passes or even outside of attractions, like actually going on rides. And Universal does not have that. But but not only that, when you, when you went to Universal, I mean, you had, what, one day? And you had to do both parks as much as you could from both parks in one yeah, day. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So the way we did it, actually, we did like a we did a tour of the original Universals. And then we went to Islands of Adventure. And then we did the Fast Pass with Islands of Adventure. But we had a tour guide that put us on the front of the line at Universal. Like, it was fun. I felt like there were some really good attractions. But I was missing Disney like crazy the entire day. So, I mean, there's an option, you know, you, you have a fast pass, an unlimited fast pass that you sell to, you sell to whoever and, you know, you, you make it expensive. So you, you disincentivize people from buying it. But, you know, I think you, you need to be careful with how many you sell there because again, you don't want to be charging somebody a hundred or $150 a day for this fast pass. And then they still have to wait in long lines. I don't think Disney will ever do that simply because they've already have they've already established this fast pass system and they've been working on it through the years. And like you said, Pete, I just But but I think you can say that it has been a failure. It is a it is a complete failure at this point. I really think you can say that because it, it does not have the desired effect. I think it I think at all. It, I'll put it this way. I don't know if it's a failure, but I do think it very much complicates a Disney trip. And I think complication 100%. leads to negativity, and negativity leads leads to failure. All right, so here's the next option: we go to a a hybrid system, like they have at Disneyland. So you don't let people pre-plan their fast passes; you force them to use the machines or to do one at a time, or they can pay and and book on their phone. They can pay and book one at a time on their phone. I mean, if you go to this model, I don't think Disney would be opposed to it because Disney's all about making money. But I think it kind of goes back to your last point of, okay, well, now it's a premium charge and how many people are willing to pay it? You still go back to your argument earlier. How much much is someone willing to pay? Like for me, if I have five five hours in the park, I'd I'd spend the amount of money that's three days in the park. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like I'd, and I think I think you need to charge more than they. You know, Disneyland is fifteen dollars a day in order to be able to book fast passes from your phone. What well, Disneyland doesn't I mean, have Disney, that much. I mean, like what? Correct, correct. Disney World would need to be more expensive than that. I think. 100%. And, and then you just go back. You know, you still have the fast pass, right? But people have to go to a machine to book it. But then, again, unforeseen consequence. You go back to people sprinting to fast pass. I mean, not safe. I did it when I was no. a kid. 
It's not safe at all. You go back to people sprinting to fast pass machines first thing in the morning, and it's it's just it's not a good thing. And like the next thing we have on our list here is we have resort guests get fast passes free. Everyone else can buy. I mean, Pete. I mean, you tell me. I don't know this number, but what percentage of people in Disney Park per day are resort guests versus let's just off the street? Like it sounds awful, but off the street. 30% maybe? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, That's I would just think a guess. Disney guest, I mean, we could do the math, and I have, we should have done the math for this episode, but I would I would say that 50% of people are staying on, on property at Disney. But you, but you got to think that, you got to think how many Orlando locals do you have, right? How many Orlando locals come daily or weekly or monthly or, I mean, I think Disney is still a, a destination resort. That the Orlando locals might come on Saturday, Sunday, Friday afternoon, maybe nighttime. But I still think that, I mean, the majority of folks that are going to Disney are staying on Disney property. I really do think that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I don't. I don't know about staying on Disney property. I mean, because you think about the number of hotels that are right there at Disney. You think about the number of condos that are right there. I mean, there's, and that's why I go back to that thirty percent. You know. So yeah, this is definitely an option. Resort guests get. You know the fast pass system as we as we have it now for free. Everybody else, if they want it, they can certainly they can well, certainly I, pay I think, for. It. I think that number has to be at thirty percent. Is what I'm saying. Like anything more than that, and I think that it just doesn't doesn't do much. But thirty percent, yeah. Like I mean, we talk about it all the time. We stay off property when we go. Why do we stay off property a lot of the times? Because it's cheaper. But if all of a sudden I had to pay a cheaper. premium for fast passes, you know, maybe staying on property and staying in that Disney bubble that we we all love really corrects that issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other option that I thought of is, you know, you buy individual fast passes, you know, you pay a dollar or $2 for every fast pass you make. But at that point, where do you draw the line, right? Do you let somebody get six, seven, eight fast passes in a day? Or do you, do you say, okay, you can pay, you know, $5 a fast pass, but you only make three a day. This would be difficult to implement. Uh, but, uh, but it would certainly it would certainly make a whole lot of money for Disney, right? And I, I think, you know, with with look with Chapek become Chapek becoming the CEO, I guarantee you that within a year, there will be some sort of paid fast pass system at Disney World. I, I think mean, it's going to happen. I mean, honestly, like let it free free market reign and just you know economies of scale. If you have if you bring a hundred people to this ride, you know you pay a little bit less, but. I mean, we live in America, and I, I love America, and I think that you know this kind of thing would be fine. It wouldn't affect me at all. I mean, I might buy less fast passes for Peter Pan than I do, you know, a bigger attraction. But I don't have a problem with it. But I, but I think I think this really has the desired effect, right? Because it, you know, it pretty much gets rid of of the fast pass problem that. People, you know, the fast pass lines are creating much longer standby lines. So it pretty much gets rid of that problem. It makes people really think about, hey, it's going to cost me $5 for a fast pass for this ride. Is it really worth it for me to get a fast pass? Or do I just go wait in the 20 minute standby line? Yeah. So I, mean, I think you it, have a lot it, more it people that do that. A decision at every point in your day. And I have no problem with that at all. I, I think the last thing we could talk about is, um, Pete, what do you think about getting rid of fast passes? Just entirely. Um, I don't know how you do it. I don't think this is likely. Yeah, I don't think this is likely because 
I mean, Disney is all about making that making that money, right? The mouse has always got his hand out, waiting for oh, waiting the, the for mouse. To put some the cash mouse is it. getting its cheese. But so th- this to me is is the least likely thing to happen because again, it's hard to monetize this. Yeah. But some some sort of you know get rid of FastPass altogether and go to some virtual queue system. The virtual queue that they have at Rise of the Resistance, I, well, I don't see a better way that they could have done it. I don't think is a good way to do it. Because you get people that show up at, you know, seven o'clock yeah, to the crack six o'clock or whatever. Yeah. So I don't I don't see a better way to do it. But but then where do you draw the line? Okay, how many virtual queues can you get in at once? Can you go to Magic Kingdom and get in ten virtual queues at once? Now I will tell you that there is a reason this is being implemented right now at Rise of Resistance, and Disney is thinking about this one hundred percent. Well, well, look, okay, the, the only argument that I can see for, for this is that if you have guests that are standing in a queue, they are not spending money elsewhere in the park, right? And, and I don't care how much you charge for a fast pass system, you're not going to make as much on a fast pass system as you would a guest that is out buying souvenirs or buying snacks or buying drinks or buying lunch or buying dinner, right? So, this is who knows this could be a positive for disney this could be something they go with because it gets guests out of the queues altogether gets them out in the park spending money well at the same time i think it also goes back to you saying that you know the fast pass has actually increased line weight for disney attractions i mean if i go see a an hour and 20 minute wait for whatever attraction you you pick do i want an hour and 20 minute wait or do i want to go grab some dinner or do I want to go grab it? In my case, a turkey leg. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, and maybe Disney already is already a step ahead of you. They're saying, "Hey, virtual queues." That means we're going to get even more money in the park, kind of where you're going. But they might already have it. Yeah, and, and you know, who knows what 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 the plan is? I I think that the fast pass system that we have, I don't think it lasts another year. Oh, I I'll, I'll make a bet right now. Over under another year. I say over a year. You say under? Oh, well, well under a year. Yeah. All right, we're gonna Absolutely. we're gonna as soon as I can get something rolled out. Um, August Canteen, your pick. There, you, there listeners, you go. hold us to that. There you go. So, we'd love to hear from you guys what uh, what you think about this. What's your opinion on the fast pass situation? Is do you like the current system? What do you wish that uh, the Disney would go to? You know, the current system has its good good and bad aspects, right? It it definitely does. I like the current system, you know, because I can use it to my advantage. But again, it really puts people that don't plan at a at a huge disadvantage. You know, and and it really puts locals at a huge disadvantage too because they are they are disincentivized to go to the park. So Anyway, love to hear from you guys on that. All right, well, let's go to the uh, trivia question and secret for the week. So first, we'll hit the trivia question from last week. The question was, how many tiles make up the mosaics on the inside walls of Cinderella Castle? So these mosaics consist of over 500 colors and 300,000 tiles. They took over 22 months to complete, and uh, the mosaics tell the story of Cinderella beginning with with her family receiving the invitation to the ball while Cinderella looks on from the side. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. They really are cool. On to the trivia question for this week. And we may have asked this before. I don't know. But just in case, I'm going to ask it again. 
since Spaceship Earth is going away, the trivia question this week and the secret this week are, are both going to be devoted to Spaceship Earth. And I say going away, but closing indefinitely. How many triangles make up Spaceship Earth? I think we've done this before. So if you're a longtime listener, you must have the right answer. Please tweet at us, email us, let us know that you know it because we have definitely done this. And honestly, I don't remember the answer. Do you, Pete? Obviously not. No, I, I did not. And you can you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowww at gmail.com. Secret for the night. I think we did this out of order. I think Tom normally does a secret first and then goes to the trivia, but we're doing it backwards. So secret again pertains to Spaceship Earth. Did you know that Spaceship Earth weighs 16 million pounds and is 150,000 square feet? Which seems pretty big, right? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of room for Imagineering in there. But did you also know that the entirety of Spaceship Earth could fit inside the tank at the seas with Nemo and friends? Did not know that. (laughs) That's pretty cool. It's a big tank. That's a really big tank. All right. So before we we close it out, did just want to uh, say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We are working on some Patreon content. I think we're going to have more than one episode this month. I think we're planning on putting out a couple of Patreon episodes this month. So do encourage you guys to uh, to subscribe to our Patreon if you're so inclined, if you want to get more of us a little bit uh, freer and relaxed. Do encourage you to, uh, to subscribe and give us a listen on that. Anything else? I got nothing, Pete. This is fun. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowww at gmail.com. Also, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash mendowww. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.